I would like to begin my talk by thanking those who have organized this conference and greeting all those who are interested in Ibn Arabi's teaching all over the world. Although Ibn Arabi never came to Iran, he was spiritually received with pleasure by the Iranians. Ibn Arabi tells us that a vision of the Divine Throne told him to go to the East. He performed the pilgrimage to Mecca and became acquainted with an Iranian sheikh from Isfahan, Makinuddin Isfahani. It was, not, not, uh, it was not until later on that the teachings of Ibn Arabi passed into Iran mostly through Unabi. Thereafter, his ideas have always been the subject of particular attention of many Iranian Sufi masters. One of the great Iranian Sufi masters who welcomed him was Shah Nematullah Wali. He is primarily known as the founder of the order that is named after him, an order which has experienced a revival in the past two centuries in Iran. Shah Nematullah's chain of initiation through four intermediaries goes back to Abu Madian, one of the greatest masters of Ibn Arabi. Shah Nematullah has written more than 100 Sufi treatises in Persian, some of which are commentaries on the Naqshul Fusus, Ibn Arabi's own summary of Fusus or on parts of the Fusus. He was a prolific writer and, in addition to his prose in his Divan of Poetry, a work of some 14,000 lines, he uses Ibn Arabi's terminology and concepts. At the beginning of his commentary to the poems of Fusus al-Hikam, Shah Nematullah Wali mentions that only the person whose ears has been opened is capable of hearing the call to prayer, Azan. Ibn Arabi's ears were open, and he was therefore able to hear the words of the Fusus from the Prophet, and Shah Nematullah likewise from Ibn Arabi, as he has beautifully stated, the words of the Fusus in our heart, like the jewels, are mounted in their settings. They reach him from the Prophet of God, and again, from his spirit attached, attached to us. The words of the Fusus, like the jewels, were mounted in the hearts of almost all Iranian Sufi followers. This is why, according to Henry Corbin, among almost 150 commentaries on Fusus or Hekam, at least 130 works were written by the Iranians. The special place of Ibn Arabi in the development of Islamic thought in Iran is determined more by comparing him with a great Muslim Aristotelian philosopher Ibn Rushd, who was almost contemporary with Ibn Arabi and was his countryman. Because of his pure rationalist philosophy, Ibn Rushd found no place in the development of Islamic thought, even Islamic philosophy in Iran. None of the Muslim philosophers in Iran has mentioned his name or referred to his books. Ibn Arabi in Iran passed. This is the first part of my article. Ibn Arabi's influence has particular significance in different respects in inquiry into the history of Sufism in Iran. One such aspect is his relation with famous Iranian sheikhs such as Shahabuddin Umar Sohrawardi, Sa'aduddin Hamouyeh, and his close companion, Ohaduddin Kermani. The second aspect of his importance is that he has influenced the Sufism 
by introducing and elaborating such common Shiite Sufi ideas as the issue of Valaya and the perfect man. The ideas which we will find in the works of Iranian Shiite shapes like Sa'enuddin Ibn Turki Isfahani, Sayyid Haydar Amuli, and Shah Nematullah Wali. The third significant dimension of his works is that his ideas have strongly penetrated Persian Sufi literature in verse like Shabestari's Golshan Raz and in prose line factored in Iraqi's Lama'at. Iraqi was one of the disciples of Unali and Lama'at was, according to the words of Unali, the essence of Fusus. But in his introduction, Iraqi explicitly declares that he has Uh, that he has written it based on the tradition of Sheikh Ahmad Ghazali's Savaneh. What is surprising is that Savaneh is a book of law in the tradition of Khorasan Sufi's works and apparently is not at all familiar to Fusus al-Hikam, which is an intellectual type of Sufism. In fact, works such as Lama'at is one of the earliest efforts the Iranian Sufis made to integrate Ibn Arabi's Sufi way into the Khorasani way. Fourth, he and he, the commentators of his words and views have made great, great contributions to the establishment of theoretical Sufism in Iran, the Sufism which later affected the whole doctrinal trend of philosophy. Of course, there were some famous figures of Sufism who tended to oppose some ideas of Ibn Arabi while they agreed with him on the whole. For instance, Sayyid Haydar Amuli, the famous writer of an enormous commentary on the Fusus, and Sheikh Al-Awdole Semnani, who disagreed with him in the issue of the seal of Valaya and unity of existence, respectively. Ibn Arabi's presence in Iran was the strongest in Safavid era, which has been the most complicated era throughout the whole history of Islamic thought in Iran. The present conditions of Islamic mentality in Iran, including Sufism, especially Ibn Arabi's school, follow the very trend that this mentality developed in that period. In the Safavid period, Ibn Arabi influenced the Shiite thinking in different aspects in philosophy, so Hrabardi's teachings had already paved the way for Sufi interpretation of Islamic philosophy. However, this philosophy, when strongly affected by Ibn Arabi, changed into a Sufi philosophy, Hikmah, and was called Transcendent Wisdom, Al-Hikmatul Muta'aliyya. Mullah Sadrat, the greatest Shiite philosopher and a follower of Ibn Arabi, is the founder of this philosophy. His works, like Asfar, are full of references to the words and ideas of Ibn Arabi and his expositors. Mullah Sadrat, in fact, <coughs> incorporates some Sufi subjects of Ibn Arabi's school into a philosophical system. He combined Ibn Arabi's Sufism, Shiite theology, and Islamic philosophy, and since then his philosophy became the official Shiite philosophy in Iran. This is similar to the situation Thomism found in the Roman Catholic Church in the 19th century. 
In theology, Faiza Kashani, who was Mullah Sadra's student, and son-in-law is also one of the great Shiite theologians and jurisprudence of this period. He frequently refers to Ibn Arabis and his major followers' ideas and words in his Sufi books, such as Kalamat Maknuneh, either explicitly or implicitly. Even in his theological books, such as Ilmul Yaqin Fi Usul Din, he has posed some problems based on his Sufi taste. Another example is Qazi Sa'id Qomi, who died, who was at the same time. He is the well-known student of Faiz Kashani. He has written his Sufi commentaries of Shiite Imam's narrations, Ahadis, according to the period in which Sufism in Iran experienced both climax and, ex and eclipse. In the era of Safavid, some Shiite jurisprudence started their most serious attacks against the main figures of Sufism, including Ibn Arabi, and Sufi concepts, most importantly, unity of existence. Since then on, the word Sufism, tasawwuf, received a pejorative meaning, and the Sufi Shiite scholars mostly used the word irfan, meaning gnosis, instead to be safe from the allegations made against them by the opponents. Nevertheless, interpreting and teaching the important writings on theoretical or doctrinal Sufism, including Ibn Arabi's Fusus al-Hikam, and other works written by the main figures of his school, such as Qaysari, was fruitfully alive in Safavid era in Iran. However, after some interruption in Afshari and Zandid uh, periods, this tradition has continued since Qajar era. In the latter period, some great teachers exposited and elaborated on these works in some Islamic seminaries in Tehran and Isfahan. These masters, whether they were themselves Sufis or not, had a Shiite outlook on theoretical Sufism and would usually teach the philosophical works of Mullah Sadra along with the works on theoretical Sufism. This group of teachers and commentators, among whom one could find some great Shiite jurisprudence, were mostly referred to as Arif and Hakim rather than Sufi. But even these jurisprudence who taught theoretical Sufism were also confronted by opposition and criticisms of other so-called Shiite jurisprudence. Basically, teaching and studying Sufi works were considered marginal in Shiite seminaries. Ibn Arabi in Iran present, the second part of my paper. Subsequent to revolution in Iran, the status of theoretical Sufism or Erfan, which has always been accompanied by Ibn Arabi's name, has undergone a profound change in Qom seminary. This change was mainly due to the religiously powerful positions of two people in Qom. First, Ayatollah Khomeini, second, Allame Tabo Tabai. The leader of the revolution, Ayatollah Khomeini, was a Shiite jurisprudent involved in Erfan and Sufism and would teach Ibn Arabi's and Mullah Sadra's works. He was the author of some works like commentaries on Fusus al Hikam and such independent Sufi works as Serro Salah which are all based on the teachings of Ibn Arabi's schools, 
of course, from a Shiite perspective. Due to these Sufi tendencies, he would be criticized and reproached in Qom Seminary. His Sufi way of thinking had penetrated his jurisprudential arguments as well as his political views. That is why he, in his letter to Gorbachev, the leader of the former Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, while recommending him to pay attention to religion, he also suggested him to read the works of Sohre Fadi, Mullah Sadra, and books of Sufis, especially Ibn Arabi. The second person who, had, who was also involved in theoretical Sufism, Erfan, and philosophy, and would teach them, and had great Islamic scientific power and position in Rome, was Allame Tabatabai. Although he didn't have any important independent writing on the Sufism, he was a great teacher of the Sufi books of Ibn Arabi's school, for the most part Mullah Sadra's philosophy, and therefore was always under the pressure of the jurisprudence opposing Sufism. Many of the jurisprudence who were his students in theology or philosophy either achieved important positions in the government or became religious authorities after revolution. Imam Khomeini's political influence due to his leadership of revolution and Allame Tabatabai's scientific power prevented any public opposition to Sufism and Irfan, and therefore the teachers and his students still study Ibn Arabi and his school and do research on them, of course under the, under the title of Irfan rather than Sufism. Although this Sufi trend is not the main scientific trend in Rome, but Ibn Arabi is still present there. In universities also, Irfan has become a PhD subject of study. Most of the references of this course are Ibn Arabi's and his father's works. Several PhD dissertations have also been written on the different intellectual dimensions of Ibn Arabi and his school or on comparison of Ibn Arabi's teaching and other Muslim and non-Muslim mystics and even contemporary philosophers of the West like Martin Heidegger. Besides Ibn Arabi's living intellectual tradition within the scope of theoretical Sufism, he can also be found in the works of the sheikhs of the important Sufi orders in Iran. Good examples are the works of the masters of the Nimatullah Gunabadi order, like those of Hajmullah Sultan Muhammad Gunabadi, particularly his commentary on Quran entitled Bayanus Saada, or those of the masters of Zahabi order critics of Ibn Arabi in Iran today. However, oppositions to Ibn Arabi seriously continued. Some of them which have been there for a long time are not only related to Iran or Shiite Islam, but some new others are. The most important trends opposing Ibn Arabi in contemporary Iran will be pointed out in the following. First, intellectual criticism. This kind of opposition is mostly the result of the invasion of the modern Western thought in the mind of some contemporary modernist intellectuals, whether Muslim or non-Muslim in Iran. In their view, later Islamic philosophy, because of its Sufi elements, has been the main obstacle to the progress of intellectuality, including modern sciences and technology in Iran. Second, Juridical and the theological criticism. 
Although most of Ibn Arabi's works are based on a hermeneutic of the Quranic verses and hadiths, the strongest and oldest group who has always criticized Ibn Arabi are among Shiite ulama. To mention an example, I will explain the position of one of the most well-known Shiite Iranian jurisprudence who is opposed to Sufism, and he has issued several fatwas against Sufism so far. He is currently one of the most important Shiite uh, authorities living in Rome. He has unequivocally rejected the most famous controversial issue in the Ibn Arabi school, namely unity of existence, Bahdatul Wujud, as defined by himself. He holds, I mean this ayatullah, with regard to those who believe, I quote, in unity of existence, that is, that there is only one existence in the whole world, and that is called God, and all creatures are the same as God, and those who believe God has been incarnated in or has united with human being, or another creature, or consider him, God, material, it is a necessary caution, to avoid them. Therefore, he categorizes these, those believing in unity of existence as atheists and defied. Contrary to this ayatollah, none of the great masters of Sufism believes in unity of existence as he interprets it. He interprets it as he wanted to oppose it, not as it is in reality. As mentioned by Sheikh Mahmoud Shabestari, the great Iranian commentator of Ibn Arabi, incarnation and pantheism are impossible here since in unity duality is false. Hululu ittihad injam maholast he has written a book called meaning manifestation of truth to reject Sufism. The author's tone is mostly mild in the first publication of this book, Before Revolution, why he has expressed some harsh criticisms against Sufism as well. But in the edition published after Revolution, a chapter under the title of Islamic Irfan an eclectic Irfan, Irfan Irtagati, is added. The author explains why this chapter has been added in the preface of the new edition. Claiming that Sufism smells of Islam, but is not Islam, and is a suitable tool for attacking it, he follows, I quote, some ignorant people or their enemies have thought of a trick and have been misusing some interpretations of the decreased Imam, meaning Ayatollah Khomeini, and his Irfani points in his verse and prose. This chapter was added to indicate that he was a great Islamic Arif, and his Sufi thoughts are very much different from eclectic Irfan. In his preface to the second edition of this book, he shows clearly his opposition against Sufism in whole, at whole, and says, I quote, many of the Khanavas, which were the centers of this group, means Sufis, were closed as centers of colonialism after the revolution, and many of their destructive activities were stopped in his period. I mean, he wanted to say in the Imam Khomeini's period. But what Ayatollah 
means by ecletic Irfan is Sufism, which to him is an ecletic way. The most important criticisms leveled at Ibn Arabi in the first publication of this book are first, he was uh, the most strict Nasibi scholar, anti-Shiite scholar. The second, he has gone too far on the issue of the unity of existence. More precisely, the author quotes from Musamanatul Abra, written by Ibn Arabi, who has said Rajabiyun in Revelation see Rafizis as pigs. The author comments, in fact, Rajabiyun see their own faces in, in this way, in the mirror of the Rafizis. Obviously, in order to avoid opposing Sufi ideas of Ayatollah Khomeini, especially those of Ibn Arabi, the author, in the second edition of his book, discusses unity of existence in a way that does not go against Imam Khomeini's ideas and at the same time does not correspond with Sufi masters' ideas, including Ibn Arabi. Thus, it's completely vague and paradoxical tone. Literary criticism. The third group of the critics of Ibn Arabi in contemporary Iran are some of the professors of Persian literature. They evaluate Sufism merely in the light of literature and are not concerned with others uh, with other aspects of it. They contain, I quote, Sufism or Irfan is the artistic perspective toward theology and religion. Basically, the origin of religion is the domain of emotional experiences and does not have anything to do with philosophy and rationality. To them, the original manifestation of this artistic view toward theology is language. Sufism reached the apex when this language reaches the apex. Sufism started being away from Iran when Persian language starts doing so, according to them. Therefore, they perceive Persian Sufi literature's eclipse as indicative of that of Sufism itself. To them, I quote, Ibn Arabi's Irfan and his followers based on our contemporary commentators who think the more complicated the language, the more complicated Irfan is a kind of Irfan which in fact <coughs> consists of playing with words. In this way, according to them, the simple Sufism of the early periods changes into the complicated Irfan of Ibn Arabi and the like. In contrast to this, Irfan is Khorasan Sufism, which is Iran's Sufism. They usually mention works of Sufis, uh, Sufis such as Bayezid al-Bissami, Attar, and Mulavi as the apex of this true Sufism. The last main group of the critics of Ibn Arabi in contemporary Iran consists of those whose opposition to him is one of political and some Iranian reformists belong to this group. This group is either totally opposed to the theory of governance of the jurisprudence or does not approve of some of its dimensions. It believes this idea, which formed the basis of the Islamic government in Iran, is either based on the Valaya doctrine in Ibn Arabi's works or has been misused by him. To this political group, the realization of Valaya as represented by Ibn Arabi has prevented 
the realization of democracy in contemporary in Iran. You will see some Salafis have expressed the same opinions in different words. They try to prove that there is a substantial connection between Valaya as perceived by Ibn Arabi and Valaya as conceptualized in the theory of Valaya Faqih. Uh, in conclusion, I should say, I, in spite of all these criticism, Ibn Arabi's teachings have been preserved till now in Iran, and it will continue to flourish, inshallah. <coughs> I will finish my paper by quoting a verse of prayer from Mathnabi of Mulabi. After reading each paper, whatever it be, I usually read Mathnabi. I read it in person. <laughs> اینان را از این دم کور دار هم به ستاری خود ای کردگار گفت حق چشم خفاش بدخسال بستم منزافتاب بیمثال از نظرهای خفاش کم مکاست انجام آن شمس نیز اندرخفاست Thank you.